Our guest is uh, Jane Christensen, and she serves uh, in a ministry formerly known as God for Girls. Now it's known as Renewed or Renovado in Juarez, Mexico, right across uh, from El Paso. Anybody, anybody been to Juarez or right across from El Paso, Texas? And um, she's got a great testimony of what God has done. We've known Jane, well, it's been a long time, right? Jane, come on up here, and thank you for all that God is doing in your life. And welcome once again to share your heart as to what God is doing. Welcome once again, and uh, I know God's going to give you uh, a great message for us, okay? Thank you, Pastor Randy. I am so privileged to be here with you this morning. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man, this is, this is a celebration. I can feel that. You're celebrating Jesus this morning, and it's just beautiful. I sure appreciate it. Whose little boy was that pair dancing? That's <laughs> your little boy. I thought his family are worshipers. <laughs> that was beautiful. He made my day. Thank you so much. I, I want you to be sure to not miss picking up some materials at the back table. My friend Sally is going to be back there. Beautiful Sally sitting on the front row. She'll be back there, and there's three different newsletters. So take one of each, take a brochure, put a business card in your Bible so you remember to pray for us. And please take the materials, because anything that's left has to be hauled back to El Paso. So be sure and relieve us of that. This morning, I am so thankful that some friends of mine came to visit Fortress this morning. Jimmy Hyrick and I went through Philadelphia Teen Challenge together back in the 70s. And we were part of the group that um, just came out of the David Wilkerson movement. Uh, Jimmy had served in Vietnam in the Marines, Corporal Hyrick, and he had gone to hell and back. And I was the worst heroin addict, according to government officials in New Jersey. And we met in Philadelphia at Teen Challenge. We were both miraculously saved, and God has sustained us. I want you to know what he does for you, he's able to keep. Jimmy, please stand. And another dear friend of mine, she, I knew her since she was very little, She excelled in gymnastics, excelled in track and field, won numerous state awards, very athletic, very strong, and now she is serving as Lieutenant Carrillo. Let me introduce Ashley. Ashley, stand up. She's based right here in San Antonio at Fort Sam, Um, and I'm so proud of Ashley. She's had many great accomplishments. So both of them came over this morning. I'm sure there's other visitors here, but please indulge me here for this moment. 
to introduce my personal friends. I'm so thankful they came. Tonight, tonight, I have another friend coming. Dr. Susie's coming. She's bringing her friend. They've been to Wada's. She's been to Wada's numerous times. And they're coming tonight. Now I need for you to come tonight. Tonight is going to be quite a rally. I have a brand new message I've never shared before. I reached deep down into my gut, feeling like the Lord was leading this way, to develop this message, and it's called It's Time. So I need for you to come. If you know anybody who has suffered loss, loss of a loved one, loss of a business, loss of um, marriage or something in their life, you know anybody who's hurting, please invite them to join us tonight, okay? Because it's time, and I believe God is going to move in a special way. I appreciate your church bulletin. Thank you so much for putting that out. I was recalling some other bulletins I had seen. One had an announcement. Register for the prayer and fasting conference. All your meals are included in the cost. (laughs) Another one said, Don't worry, don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. (laughs) Another one read, Weight Watchers will meet 7 p.m. at First Presbyterian. Please use the large double doors at the side entrance. (laughs) And this is my favorite. The Low Self-Esteem Support Group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. (laughs) Well, that'll do something for your esteem, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This morning, I'd like to share with you from Acts chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, your device, whatever you're reading from, Would you be so kind to stand for a moment for the reading? Acts 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now imagine this, they're in shackles, they have chains and shackles on their arms, chains on their ankles. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, What must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. 
Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, now mind you, we just read it was about midnight. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Look back at verse 33 again. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. I want to share with you about wash their wounds. Can you say that with me? Wash their wounds. Exactly. One more time. Wash their wounds. That's what we're sharing about for the next few minutes. Father, thank you so much that you gave your all to wash our wounds. And now, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move in our hearts and lives and prepare us to wash other people's wounds. Lord, we ask for you to use these next few minutes. And God, once again, speak through a donkey, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A young man in the United States committed a horrific murder. And when he realized authorities were looking for him, he, was, he started to flee. But he didn't want to go alone. So he took a 14-year-old girl and forced her to go with him. He fled to central Mexico, locked her up in a room, and had someone guard the room. She had no contact with anyone. She didn't even know where she was. She had no contact, no way to call for help. And there he beat her, beat her, sexually tortured her, and there she gave birth to a little baby. The day came finally when she realized that she had an opportunity to escape. She ran out the front door, and here she was on dirt roads in this poor colonial. She had no idea where it was. And she started asking people with her one-month-old baby boy in her arms. She started asking those she met along the way, where's the police station? They wouldn't answer her. Where's the police officer? Wouldn't answer her. And she continued until finally someone pointed her in the right direction. She got to the police station and told them what was going on. And they realized she had been on the missing persons report in the United States for a year. So they called DEEF. Anybody familiar with DEEF? DEEF is a government agency in Mexico Uh, very similar to Child Protective Services. And they take child victims and take them in. So they called Deve, turned her over to their custody, her and her baby. And then Deve brought her up to Juarez to our house. 
Now, the government tells us we work very closely with DEEF, with Fiscalia, with COSPRI, Civil Protection, SEP. We work very closely with all the government agencies. And they tell us we are the only program in the country of Mexico for sexually trafficked child victims. So they brought her all the way up to Juarez and brought her to our house. Now let me tell you, we had a lot of wounds to wash. She showed me the bruises on her body, on her leg, and on her arms. She was still horribly bruised. Psychologically, she was so damaged. Um, some of the kids who come to our ministry, you look at them and they look like a shell. You don't even see a life in there. And this girl was wounded. Then she had a lot of medical needs. She and her baby were so severely malnourished. I really wonder if the baby was going to recuperate. And there were a lot of needs. Spiritually, she had no clue who Jesus Christ was. We began to wash her wounds, and what a transformation took place. This girl experienced a resurrection. A resurrection was like God breathed life into her and took what had died over the past year and resurrected her, put a new spirit in her. She accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior and came alive. <laughs> then we could see that God was healing her body. She was eating and getting proper nutrition as well as her baby. We were making sure her baby was making the proper progress for his age. And, of course, we believe Jesus Christ is healing the wounds, and we also responsibly add to our staff a professional Christian psychologist who began counseling with her. And then we start seeing this girl was experiencing the abundant life. I worked in missions in 15 different countries and, and saw a lot, a lot of need. But one need really stood out to me. Wherever I went, it seemed like the sexually trafficked and exploited had their needs left unmet. And finally, at the end of a contract, I was helping set up Teen Challenge Centers overseas. And at the end of that contract, the Lord spoke to me to venture out and begin a program for, for child victims. All I can say is, Lord, here am I. It was quite intimidating to me. But we started as God for Girls in West Africa, in the Congo, where little children were being sold in the market at night to the people who had flown in to work the oil rigs. 
And so he establishes school. We don't want to yank them away from, from their mothers, but we wanted to help. So we started a school, began to teach them skill, and through microenterprise, we were able to get a commitment from their mothers not to sell them anymore, but instead let their daughters uh, come home with a treadle sewing machine and start their own seamstress business. So we began seeing children from little kids to teenagers set free from being trafficked. God is so gracious. And then as that became self-supporting, I said, okay, Lord, we're now... And he kept bringing to me the femicides and what is, where young teen girls were being kidnapped only to be found dead. Over 1,200 corpses recovered and thousands more who have never been found. So I flew in and met with some of the mothers of victims and what is, and they shared their, their horrific stories for eight hours and so I asked them, well, what do you need? What, how can we address this? They said, well, first of all, we want a counseling center. We want a place where the girls could run to when they realize somebody's following them or targeting them. But then we need a place for our other children to receive counseling because they're so traumatized. I said, okay, you got it. So right on 16th of September, anybody know where that is? Uh, Yes, the main street going through downtown Juarez. We set up a counseling center. Within a week, we had to hire a second Christian psychologist, and then a third, and then a fourth, and in a short time, we had six Christian psychologists working in that counseling center. They worked from early morning to late at night. And when the war broke out, it was just a a real refuge for people who were hurting. So I said, you know what? Some of these clients, they know that when they walk out these doors, people are following them and still targeting them. We have to have a safe house. So we bought a house from a district officer with the Assemblies of God in Juarez, and we opened our doors as the first safe house for child victims. There's still people from other parts of the country who come in when they're in Juarez. They said, we want to see this. So we opened our doors, and these girls were being brought in. The police were rescuing girls out of the brothels downtown and in other parts of the city. And so Dave would bring them to our house. And we started the first safe house. It was marvelous to see God move in such a special way. Right now in our girls' house, we have a girl who grew up in a different region of Mexico. They'll bring them from all over. But in a different region, there at a young age, her mother died. Her father was alcoholic. 
He immediately remarried, and his wife wasn't so much interested in becoming a mother yet. And so this girl was pretty much subjected to her three brothers who beat her continually. They beat her and beat her and her younger sister. Finally, the sister ran away, and then she committed suicide. So a 50-year-old man approached this girl and said, I'll take care of you. I'll be like a father to you. I'll provide everything you need. So she went to live with him, and, well, you got it. He raped her and beat her constantly. She became pregnant, and finally someone realized that she was a slave to this man. So they rescued her, processed her through Deep, and they brought her up to Juarez. She's been in our house, and I can't tell you what it's like for these kids. They come in so psychologically damaged, they have post-traumatic stress, they have disassociation, multiple personality disorders, they have STDs. Some of our kids have the HPV virus, which is brutal, brutal. Um, we have serious medical needs. Sometimes they have been, their body has been violated in ways that cause their organs not to work. Um, of course, Many of them are suicidal, so we have to always be checking. I'm always looking for something else, something, you know, a ribbon hanging from a lower bunk, or, you know, things that need to be eliminated so that the temptation is minimized. But um, this girl came in, and she was very sickly. So the doctors had told us, well, Uh, this baby might not make it. So we had her in the house. The only place she ever went was church. She couldn't go to school, couldn't go anywhere because it was such a high risk of her losing this baby. Let me tell you, last Tuesday when I left the girls' home, I no sooner crossed the border into El Paso than I was told she went to labor. I thought, why'd you wait until I left? <laughs> but they, they got her to the hospital immediately. Staff members start running to the hospital from their homes, those who were on an earlier shift. And lo and behold, by Wednesday morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, she delivered a healthy, hearty baby girl. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you know the challenge is that this young mother, who's just a child herself, is going to welcome this baby and bond with this baby and not associate the baby with a crime that was committed against her. So our staff are very, very good. We have 20 staff members who all either grew up in Juarez, or Juarez has been their home for a considerable amount of time. 
And, you know, every part of Mexico is different, just like the United States. So it's very important that they understand the people who are indigenous to that area. And lo and behold, they minister, minister to her, and she is excited. That girls filled helium balloons and and strung ribbons and had confetti. We have a maternity room now. Last year, I went to the girls' home, and when I got there in, in, in the morning, Deef was waiting for me. And so the Deef officers, these are lawyers. Uh, one was a former judge, and they said, look, you know, we have a home in the government for pregnant teens. But when they arrive, they have to sign a contract that they will adopt their baby. Well, we have a lot of girls that arrive that don't want to adopt their baby. And so they leave. And they live on the streets. Now, oftentimes a family will ostracize a young girl, even though she's a victim. Doesn't matter if she becomes pregnant. Oftentimes, her family won't, won't accept that. And so they had this whole demographic of teenage girls living on the streets. So I said, listen, bring them here. Bring them here. Do you know that lounge area we have upstairs? We'll turn that into a maternity room. So I called one of the pastors in the city who we prayed for this morning And Doug Roberts got some of his men together. They rushed over to Juarez, and they took what was a lounge area and turned it into a maternity room. It's just beautiful. So now our girls, you know, realize this is a celebration of life. Everything's upbeat, happy, beautiful colors, nice things for their babies, and it's, it's a celebration. So we're so thankful for our supporters that care that much. In Renewed, we base our ministry on four things. Resurrection and spirit. Sometimes the spirit's dead and needs to be resurrected. By the blood of Jesus Christ in receiving him as Savior, there's life that comes into them. Secondly, recuperation and body. Most of the residents that come into our home need medical care. Some need it quite often. We've had residents who were hospitalized every single week for months until they recuperated. Thirdly, regeneration and mind. There has to be a, a renewal in their thinking. You have to just hit the delete button, and start over the process. And so there has to be a regeneration in mind and reacclimation in society. And that comes through proper education, through teaching them skills. In our school, we have teenagers who have never learned to read or write. So it's important that we provide our own school, that they're not shamed in the public school setting, that they feel secure, and it's okay 
is okay if you're 16 or 17 and illiterate. In our school, it's fine. And so we teach them. We have three teachers right now. We have to have four, and we have to hire someone else. So uh, in accordance with the regulations of SEP, we need to add more to our school. But after the war ended, you know, the war was vicious. There were unbelievable atrocities committed. I'd be driving through the city and have to drive around dead bodies and go the other way. And it, it was really horrible. But the war ended by a miracle of God. Everybody was praying and fasting. The war ended. And it's been peaceful, so peaceful for about six years well, until the past couple of weeks, but very peaceful. And um, that, that, as much as we rejoiced over the peace, that opened the door to a whole new dynamic. People were afraid to go to Juarez. Nobody wanted to cross. And then after the war ended, people start traveling, and there was a deluge of pedophiles crossing. So the U.S. government told me there's about a 1,000 pedophiles that cross the bridges from El Paso to Juarez on a regular basis, many of them every single day. So they go to Juarez, they buy a child for $5 and go to a hotel room and commit such sexual atrocities on them, their lives are ruined until they have an opportunity to have an intervention from God. And so we were seeing more and more boy victims. Dave would bring a boy victim to our house, and we'd say, no, we can't take boys. I said, you know what? we got to have a boy's home. So the girls had outgrown the original house. We had moved them into a bigger house. So we turned that home into our boys' home. So now we have, at some points, we had more boys and girls. But um, today we have about 13 boys and 19 girls. So you can see the ratio is very close so we have a little six-year-old boy. We have an 18-year-old boy. We have a boy who uh, is from the opposite end of Mexico, grew up in dire circumstances, and got tired of seeing his mother with all these different men and them coming and going from their home. And so he ran away. At the age of nine... He crossed the entire country to get to Juarez, hoping that an uncle would take him in. The uncle kept him for a little while and then sent him back out in the streets. And he told me how the boys on the streets get their food, get their tennis shoes. Um, Many boys have told me this. And so it's grueling, but... Praise God, he's in our house. When you give to Fortress Missions, you give to save their lives. 
they are subjected to remain in that lifestyle or they could be put into an overcrowded orphanage where, like, one of them I visited, a little 15-year-old came running to me said, please, please help me. I was raped last night. There's more orphans after the war than there are caretakers. And so there's a lot of things that can happen when you have an orphanage with 100 kids and two workers. So that's the alternative. But because you give to missions, and Pastor Randy, I'm so grateful to you. Pastor Randy has stood with me for many years, even through thick and thin, and been an encouragement and just a, a part of the very foundation of this ministry. And because of it, because of your leadership, Pastor Randy, and Brenda's cherished friendship and your support, these kids have a future. They have a future now. I'm so very, very grateful to you. Our current needs are in our school. We have to add more staff. Right now, our budget's extended beyond anything I could explain. But I am so grateful to you. A few weeks ago, you gave to launch our renovation on the boys' home. The boys' home is falling apart. <laughs> and we need to tear down a wing of the boys' home and rebuild it. So we need all the missions teams we could get. But it's not just construction. We need missions teams to come encourage our kids and our staff. This morning, I want to encourage you to wash their wounds. Wash the wounds of your co-worker who's hurting. That student on the university campus who's doing crazy things who you know you need to reach out to. Of your neighbor, I was reading in Proverbs just last night about reaching out to your neighbor. How important it is that we're washing wounds, even though it might be midnight or one in the morning and it's not convenient. It rarely happens at a convenient time, but God will give you opportunity to wash their wounds. But this morning, I'm wondering, do you have wounds? Are there wounds in your life that you need to allow Jesus Christ to heal? This is your moment. Please don't leave here and worry about rushing to lunch. Because when the Holy Spirit's moving, it's your opportunity to receive. And if you walk away from it, Sometimes that opportunity doesn't come back real quick. The Holy Spirit might not be moving in that fashion. So this morning, allow him to wash your wounds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for moving in a powerful way in Wadis because of Fortress Church. And now, God, we ask you to move in a powerful way here among those who have washed the wounds of so many, many children. God, now, in this hour, 
it's their time. It's their opportunity to receive healing. I pray, God, that you move in a very special way now. In the name of Jesus.